You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God, you may be seated. Open your Bible at Zeke chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. And he says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. It's interesting that when God words that, you can look at that from two different directions. The Bible is very clear. Jesus spoke about himself as being a rock, the rock of the word. And Paul went on also to explain it. And many other writers used the similar terminology. And that rock can either be the cornerstone which is the foundation, the direction, the reference point for the building of the house of God. Or that rock could be a rock of offense. Same rock. Could be a cornerstone or a rock of offense. So however you approach the word, that's what you will get out of it. And if the enemy wants to use it as an offense, the person will find offense in everything that's said. Even though it's read from the Bible, even though it's in the name of Jesus, they find something there's a problem with what the, the, the preacher said. But that's because there's an offense in the heart, not the word. The word's not the problem. It's the approach to the word. And so that's why I made a decision. If it's going to be my cornerstone, Jesus said the one that builds their house on the rock is the one that hears the word and does it. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have life more abundantly. From the moment I saw that scripture, I made a decision. From now on, I read everything in the Bible through those lenses. If it's stealing, killing or destroying, that is Satan. If it's life, it's Jesus. Either Jesus didn't mean that or he meant it. And he's the living word. So I have to read it from that perspective. So scriptures that in times past looked like, that's strange, would God do that? Then you read it with the perspective, I came that you may have life and have life more abundantly. It's the enemy that steals, kills, and destroys. Suddenly it brings a whole new light to that scripture. And this is a very similar one, is that for many years, the enemy, if he can't beat you, if he can't destroy you, if he can't get you to change what you believe, he will use what you believe against you. And that's what religion is. You want to believe in a God? Okay, but let's make it difficult. Let's make it tough. And you better. And if you don't, God will get you. And he's going to send you to hell. And you're going to struggle and battle all the rest of your life trying to please this unpleasable God. So you want to go to church? Go. But I'm going to hit you over the head with it. Come on, how many of you were brought up in that kind of environment? You know what I'm talking about. And so... When we read scriptures where God says that uh, if, you, if you don't obey the word, then you know that he says that the wages of sin is death. Now, if you read that with the wrong perspective, you can read that like, if you sin, I'll kill you. That's the rock of offense. But what is he saying? 
I understand sin. I know sin. Sin will kill you. But I let my son be killed so that you never have to be killed again. I deliver you from sin. And so when he gives the law, that's where the, the early believers, the pre-Christ believers, the Jewish believers, they always saw God, this law is a hard thing. And Paul himself said the law is a very tough thing to keep. He says, I, I didn't know sin until I knew the law. And when the law came, it's like I was sinning all the time. You know, but the law wasn't there to stop you from sinning. The law was to expose our need for Jesus. Now when I see Jesus, I'm not trying to keep the law anymore. So when you read the scripture, this is not God saying, I'm trying to get you to obey everything because I want you to. He says, notice this, I will put my spirit within you and I will cause, not force. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments. You will keep my judgments and you will do them. Not you will do them. No, once I get my spirit in you, there'll be an inner desire to do everything I say. Why? Because now you see me as the God that I am. A loving, generous, full of mercy, gracious, forgiving God that wants the best life for you. And the way to that life is through the principles. So when I give you the principle, you'll understand that and you'll want to do it. And so we're talking about a whole new look on this concept of who God is, that He's this ever-loving Father. And He says, verse 28, Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. What's He talking about? That covenant. You will live in that eternal covenant, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Hallelujah. How you know that Ezekiel is prophesying here about the Holy Spirit being within the believer? Because up to that point, even Jesus said to his disciples, the Holy Spirit's now with you, but when I go, he will be in you. This is talking to you as a believer. Say that he is my God and I am his people. Now, why is this a the, 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 the main message all the way through? Why does God keep saying that? Well, right in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us create man in our image and according to our likeness. And you carry on studying the word. We don't have time for it this morning, but you will find out that God talks about us literally being his offspring. The offspring of God, born of God. So Adam as the first Adam, Jesus called the last Adam. Jesus was called the only begotten Son of God. Adam was also called the Son of God. Why? He was born from God. The animals were created out of the earth, the fish out of the sea, the birds out of the air. God created everything out of material, but man he brought out of himself. He birthed you into the earth. Satan saw that. And he knew he had to stop this God race because up to that point when he tried to take over heaven, he got booted out. Him and one third of the angels fell as demonic spirits. 
And this man is birthed and he's not even two seconds old and God hands the planet over to him. What is this man? What kind of power does he carry? He's created in the image of God. We better stop him before he gets any further. And you know what happened through the temptation. Man handed the entire creation over to Satan and fell. And as a result of that, God entered into the earth and he came to visit with his man who he intended to be his family. Everybody say his family. And so he came to Adam and he said, Adam, where are you? And Adam had hidden away and he said, I was afraid. I was afraid. Now remember, God does not give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, sound mind. There was already the work of the demonic working in him. And God said, how could you be afraid? What, what is it? We were naked. He says, how would you even know that? What has happened here? And that was exposed what he had done. And then he said, but it's the woman you gave me. God turned to the woman and said, what happened? And she admitted she was deceived, but it was by this creature. And God then addresses Satan. And he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he, who's he? Your seed will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Because of the fall, man had entered into the curse and God told him from now on, you're going to struggle. When I was your provider, everything was supplied. But now I've lost you as a family, but I already have a plan. The word says before the world was even formed, Jesus had been crucified. Before God said, let there be light, it was already settled that Jesus would be the price on the cross. And yeah, God's announcing when he comes into the earth, he'll come as a man. I won't even beat you as God. <laughs> a man is coming. And that man that you try to do to my man, that man is going to destroy you. He's going to take back and get my family back. Hallelujah. And from that moment on, God has this intention of bringing Jesus into the earth. Born into the earth as a man. Because only a man can get back what a man lost. But every other man would not measure up to the standard because from that moment on, every man that's ever born is born in sin. No man would qualify and have the right to stand and stare down Satan and pull back what belongs to them. But there was a man. God had prophesied a man will enter the earth, but it will no longer be the seed of a man. Every one of us are born from the seed of a man. And that son comes through that bloodline. But this one will be born of the seed of a woman. 
And the seed of the woman means that no man was involved but the Holy Spirit. And he is the one that entered into Mary. And when the angel said that you will bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. She said, according to your word, let it be. The word spoken is a seed. The word of God received is a seed. The word is not just the sound of God. The word is God. And his name is Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 1. So when she said according to your word, she wasn't just saying according to what I heard the angels say. She's saying according, she had put into that God had built into it that according to what I heard, according to what you said, according was from your heart, according to Jesus, let Jesus be unto me. And in that moment with the woman speaking, who originally had been the one deceived, this one was not deceived. She heard living word where Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And the moment she said, let it be, a body was formed and God could put Jesus as the living word into her womb. And she, he was born with a body for one reason to come back and get back what man lost as a man and to have blood flowing through his body so that that blood could pay for all sin come on give him praise if you're getting this and then through the word you'll notice that God is now making sure that everything is online that he can get Jesus into the earth accurately so he approaches a man called Abraham, and he says in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. Everybody say covenant. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. No, shall you, no longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. For I've made you a father of many nations and I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations. Everybody say families. For an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. To be God to you. Not just be your God, but be God to you. Family, recognize that God is has made it his purpose to visit with man. Every other creature, if you want an audience with a king, you have to go to him. You see that in Job, Satan had to go to God. You want to talk to God, you go to him. God's seated on his throne. You always visit royalty. Royalty doesn't come to your house. You go to the palace. You go through protocol to get to where the king or the queen is. Isn't that right? But when it comes to man, he stands up. That, that's what got Stephen. That's, that's why everybody was so upset with the blasphemy because Stephen looked up. He says, I see glory and I see Jesus standing. 
standing at his right hand. Oh, really? Royalty standing for you? See, that's what's man's opinion. But that's Jesus. When he sees one of his own, he will always stand to attention. If you need him, he'll come to you. He'll come visit you right there where you are. You can be in the darkest, deepest, most struggling place and totally lost. And he will come down. Have you know you didn't go looking for God. He reached down into the miry clay. He came for you. He fetched you and he raised you up and cleaned you. This is the king of glory. He's your king. He is your God. I will be God to you. And your descendants after you. Everybody say family. Remember Galatians 3 verse 8. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel to Abraham before and saying in you all nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Verse 29. If you are Christ's then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Lift your hand and say, I am in Christ. And as I am in Christ, I am Abraham's seed. The covenant God made with Abraham, he made with me. Amen. Now, how did this play through? How did this happen? Well, God wrote it into his word. You must understand that from the moment Satan heard that there's one coming to deliver, one coming to restore, one coming to recover all, if you have spoken about one born of a woman, and every time any prophet hinted at the fact that a deliverer is coming, Satan went to work to destroy all that generation. He tried to kill off that generation, tried to kill the children to stop Jesus from entering into the earth. Satan knew there was a plan. He had no idea what that plan was. So how's God going to get him to the cross? Well, he has to hide it. He has to put it in a mystery. Everybody say mystery. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If Satan knew the cross was the solution, there's no ways he would have put Jesus on that cross. God hid it in a mystery. He had no idea. Satan had no idea what that redemption story would be. That's the rulers of this world. As Ephesians talks about those, the, 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 the rulers of this age, the different realms that Satan has. But we've been given the armor of God to withstand that. And so had this devil and all his cohorts known when it was identified that Jesus is the Son of God, that it was revealed in the earth. That's when Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, up till now, no one said that. That you got from heaven. So now you know Satan thinks, i got to stop this man. And the only way to stop him is to kill him. 
And God had hidden a mystery in the Word of God. Now remember, nothing happens unless God tells His prophets. So He's prophesied there is one coming. He's prophesied He will deliver. He's prophesied that He's the Messiah that will deliver and save. And He's prophesied He'll put His Spirit in you. So all the way through, that's the whole message of the gospel. I am your God, you will be my people. I am your God, you will be my people. And I have a plan. But that plan has to be spoken into the earth. But in a way that the devil who's looking for the plan won't see it. So what did God do? The way I like to look at it. He slipped the verse in. That if you're not looking for it, you would not even notice it. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he redeem us from the curse? Well, for Jesus to give us anything... He has to first pay the price for it. By his stripes, you are healed. By him being wounded, gives you healing. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. Why? Through his poverty, you'll be made rich. Everyone say great exchange. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. Why? So that it could be removed from you. Why? So that you might be made the righteousness of God. His righteousness. He took your sin and gave you His righteousness. For Jesus, for you to be a blessing, He had to be made a curse. How did He become the curse? For you to be redeemed back to the blessing that was spoken over Adam And was reworded with Abraham and spoken to Noah and all the way through all of creation. God has spoken this word that you are going to be blessed. And you will be blessed as a nation, as a family to bless the nations of this earth. So how did Jesus become this curse? Christ redeemed us from the curse. How? By becoming a curse for us. Say, great exchange. How did he do this? For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Ha! There it is. Now you go read that. That's quoted from the Old Testament. It's in a whole bunch of words. And it's just written there. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. I don't think Satan thought anything about that. That's just, a, you know, who hangs on a tree? You know, everyone and everyone's cursed if they hung on a tree. But God had so worded it. See, anyone else that landed up on a tree somehow got through any form of execution, even if they, normally it would have been a criminal and they had deserved that sentence, if it wasn't, it was because somehow they, you know, rejected God. Something happened. Some, you know, it's, it, it was no, no one could say, I don't deserve to be on this tree. But Jesus had no sin. He did not deserve the death. 
That's why even Pontius Pilate, when they were shouting out, crucify him, crucify him, and, and, and they appealed and then washed their hands and said, I, 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 I see no guilt in this man. That's an unsaved heathen could find no reason to kill this man. But Satan was in such a frenzy, he had to stop him. He had to stop him. And that's where he got the people and just said, just let his blood be on our hands, but we will make sure he needs to die today. But that was a work of Satan. He just wanted to get him up on that cross. And the moment Jesus, when that first nail went through his flesh and into that wood, hello, Wood comes from, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And he was raised up and Satan thought, I got him, I got him, I got him. And God said, let me refer you to a word that was hidden. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Would you look at this man? Where is he hanging? On a tree. You've just given me legal authority to put every curse on that man. Every curse. And Jesus took it all. He absorbed the entire curse. Why? Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Family, we may have been born outside the covenant, but Jesus opened the way that whoever calls on His name will be welcomed into that covenant and get exactly the same promise Abraham God. Up to that moment, only the Jews thought they had right to the covenant, but Abraham wasn't Jewish. He was a man that believed, and only one part of his seed became the Jewish nation. But God used that track to get Jesus on the cross to once again open up back to that original blessing spoken upon all mankind. That whoever believes is a seed of Abraham. Say, I believe. And so John chapter 19, hanging on that cross, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he says, I thirst. That was also prophesied. He's now establishing on purpose. Scriptures revealing him as the Messiah. I thirst. And a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it in his mouth. And so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. It is finished. What is finished? That serpent of old took a bite at his heel. I will kill you today. And Jesus said, the very thing you're using to kill me, 
I destroy you. I crush your head. The very sickness you try to destroy my people with, I take it and I use me taking all the sickness to destroy sickness that it has no hold on my people. Everything you did to bring poverty on my people, I take it and I destroy it under my feet that my people will never be destroyed with it again. Everything the curse could possibly offer, I take and I destroy it. Never again will you hold the curse against me. My people, it is finished. Give your Jesus praise. Shout out loud, it is finished. Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha. And the Omega, the beginning and the end. It's done. It's finished. And I give the fountain of water and I freely give life to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God. And he shall be my son. No longer just my people. He had to speak through the old covenant as my people, my people, my people. But I had a bigger plan in mind. I will be your God, but you will be my son. Everybody say family. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. I put my spirit in you. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That was God's ultimate plan. The day you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you didn't just become a born-again Christian. You were born a son or daughter of God. When you say father, that's not a religious term. He is your daddy. Say that God is my father. I'm born of him. He is my God. I am his child. You hear that? Can you hear God saying, I am your God. You are my child. Luke 22 verse 14, when the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the 12 apostles with him and he said to them, with fervent desire, I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 
Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, take this. Divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread. Would you take your bread? And he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Say this. I once was a foreigner, a stranger of the covenant. But you, as God, reached down through the ages and entered this earth as Jesus. Gave your life for me. Your body was broken on the cross so that I, may be redeemed, and I may be saved. You bore every sickness and every disease, that I am healed. You took poverty, and I am rich. You bore the curse, and the blessing is now mine. I remember the cost today. You were given almost 2,000 years ago for me. I remember. Let's partake. Verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. It's a new covenant. God gave the old covenant as a way that he could keep that family together, keep that bloodline flowing until Jesus could enter the earth. Only purpose of the law was to be a tutor, to guide, to instruct, to get to a place where Jesus could enter the earth. Once Jesus said, it is finished. At that moment, the blood had paid the full price. Everything God ever desired for you to enjoy, life and life abundantly, was accomplished. Jesus said, for this purpose he came, to destroy the work of the devil. To seek and to save that which was lost. He got the blessing back. The covenant was established, that original covenant spoken to Adam, to Abraham, to Noah, is now our covenant. A new covenant, this time sealed in the blood of Jesus. And the thing about the blood of Jesus, it is still today alive on the mercy seat of God. That's amazing to think that. 
If you ever get into any trouble, any problem, any worries, you just say, I plead the blood of Jesus. And that'll cause the Father to look over at that mercy seat. And He knows the cost and He knows what you're calling for. And that is full redemption, full salvation, full delivery, full protection, full provision, full healing, full total recovery. Nothing missing, nothing broken. This is the cup. It cost Him his blood. Families, you partake now. Take a moment to remember and give him glory and thanks. Let's partake.